Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to the 2021 GNT Show. Once again, I am joined by my host with the most, a man who has spent the off-season camping out in the Belmore Sports Ground car park, just waiting to get the inside information. G. G, how was your off-season? It was fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, the highlight of my off-season was a couple of weeks ago, going to for a swim at Cronulla. And who was waiting at the lights with his partner and his kid? But Scott Sorensen. Even better looking in real life. So, fantastic off-season. All right, we've... <laughs> We've had a lot of feedback from the, from fans. We are not bringing back the men of the league. We're not, but it was a highlight. Sorry, me person. And, and, and Scott, if you're listening, if you're listening, um, please join the Sonny Bill Williams bandwagon and get an AVO out on G. Now, we did promise, we did promise uh, some off-season action for this podcast, and we've got to apologise to our listeners because uh, like many things in 2020, the COVID pandemic got the better of us and life, frankly, got the better of us and we didn't get to do... Half the things we wanted to do in the off-season, but we're back for a full season of 2021, and we're going to start this particular podcast with a preview of the 2021 season, including our predictions for what we think is going to happen. But um, when G and I were talking about the, the, the upcoming NRL season, I must admit, I thought it was a relatively quiet off-season. And then G started rattling off all the things that happened, and I went, oh my God, it's not a quiet off-season at all. Um, NRL, it is better than days of our lives. It is the gift that keeps on giving. What was your thoughts on the off-season, G? Well, where do you start? I think because the season went through until mid-November, you have the Christmas period coming up, it sort of felt like it was quiet. But then when you actually, like you say, recall some of the things that happened, it probably wasn't. I mean, we had some of the off-field, standard off-field scandals, the Corey Norman fight, or I suppose um, brawl. Um, I, I have thoughts on that. I think some of the NRL fines, and this feeds into something else, I think the players are a little bit of a target, and I think it was, it's way overblown. But of course, we have to have the standard punch-up over the off-season. Fine 20,000. 20,000, yeah. So just on that, I think if it's true that James Seguiaro and Corey Norman were subject to racist abuse, and, and they tried to do the right thing and, you know, walk away, manage the situation. And it, I mean, I can understand people in that situation getting pushed beyond their limits, right? And what, are they, what are they meant to do? It's not right, but... Some of Andrew Abdo's comments were like, take me through your, you know, decision-making step-by-step processes. They're watching the video. I mean, mate, in real life, it doesn't work like that. Uh, no, it's not a committee meeting before a fight starts. <laughs> I mean, look, like I said, I'm totally anti-violence and um, I understand the NRL trying to crack down on that. Basically, each situation is different. But yeah, 20000 fine, throwing the player under the bus, I think, a little bit. I guess they're trying to send a message, but I don't necessarily... I do think that players are a little bit targeted in public to some degree and they're held to a, a ridiculously high standard with a lot of fines so i think the nrl needs to find a better way of dealing with some of this stuff to be honest rather than just do you reckon it might have been a cu- accumulation of things i mean Corey norman he's a controversial figure in the league maybe i think that might have something to do with it i think if it was a a, su- a superstar i think there might have been a little bit more lenient but that's speculation so i think Corey norman's a little bit of a can be a bit of a sacrificial lamb. He is a controversial figure. Well, we'll get to him in the Dragons preview, but it's a massive season for Corey Norman. I mean, he he he's running the risk at the moment of his career not living up to his talent. Oh, definitely. He's and not- he's at the back end. I'm not sure. I'm not, I think his next contract, if this season doesn't go well, is is actually, it could be England. So anyway, we'll get to that in Dragons yep. preview. What else caught your eye in the off-season, G? Um, we're getting, I, think, I think we're getting to our favourite one. <laughs> we'll leave that till last. I think one of the... Great developments by South was to actually look at how they sort of developed the culture of some of the younger players and Russell Crowe sort of wants to put in a program in conjunction with South South's Cares to sort of help, you know, some of the youngsters in terms of, you know, mental health, some of the, the culture that they grow up around in terms of like footy culture and, you know, um, sort of educating them about women, career, pressure. And, but getting that done really early, so they're, they're proposing to do that between 13, 14, 15 and starting really young, which I think is a really good thing, especially to help some of the kids. I think one of the funnier aspects of that was he reached out to Jamie Packer for funding. I just hope that that doesn't come from any of his Crown Casino ventures, considering what's happened. In that He's life. had a rough, rough off-season, James yeah. Packer. He's had a really rough off-season. Yeah. 
Um, Russell, you might have to um, have a look at where some of that money may come from. And he's making. And, and can, I, can I just put it out there? He's making uh, Bulldogs James Cassiano look thin, just quietly. James Packer. Well, they had to hide that money somewhere. So um, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, it is allegedly, and plenty of Aldi bags. But the good thing is, at least you know an Aldi bag can hold five million dollars, according to Melbourne Crown Casino. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. I, I guess. Another thing was actually the tragedy of um, Keith Titmus and him dying. And our condolences to the family and our thoughts and prayers to the player and his family. I mean, just terrible, terrible, terrible news. It's horrible news. I mean, like they say, nothing prepares you for... How do you prepare for the loss of a child? So really feel for the family. No parent should outlive their child. No parent. A, a real tragedy. And hopefully they at least get some sort of closure, if ever, um, for the family. But really, thoughts go out to them. You know, you, you lose your kid playing football. And think maybe, you know, Keith's passing might get a legacy in terms of better medicals. And people maybe having heart checks and all sorts of things. Before they, you know, push people through strenuous off-seasons. I'm not saying that's the reason. But you have instances of people getting picked up with um, heart irregularities and things like that overseas, especially in the NFL and NBA. Well, and, and European football as well. I think, I think yeah. this, is, this is one area we can learn a lot from overseas sports on. I think the whole, I mean, maybe not the NFL, they've got their, their own issues in terms of medical and all that sort of stuff, but it highlights for me how much sometimes this sport is run as a backyard, you know, uh, you know, like a game out of the 80s type thing. I, th- I think there's elements of the NRL that's absolutely moved into the professional era and elements that's probably lagging behind. I think medical, mental health, um, concussions, another one. I think, I think, yeah, I, I just think it's something that you want to, I, I think my, my sense of it is history will judge you kindly if you're ahead of the curve rather than behind the curve. But again, condolences to his family. And it's, it's really sad to have that tragedy in your season, to be honest. What else caught your eye? Well, there's a few things, you know, what's been dominating is um, Peter Volandis basically doing whatever he, Peter Volandis does. He's, he's like an old Roman emperor, Peter Valandis. He's like Caesar. And he, sits, he sits over the court and he says, we, sh- we shall have more six agains. And, and then that's, that's what happens. And it's happening. So I, I want to bring back reserve grade and jersey flag on game day. As a very long-standing rugby league fan, I love, but I don't think that's going to bring back the crowds. Neither do I, um, but makes sense. But he's kind of, yeah, like you say, just an emperor makes his own brand. Just, just, just absolutely makes his decisions and he's like a Roman emperor. What are the odds on Peter Volandis just um, doing a press conference this year in a Roman Caesar's tog? Toga, toga, Cons- toga. <laughs> Considering the way he's going and he'll probably <laughs> just make the decision on the expansion team by himself. Yeah. Pretty high, yeah. say. Um, but just... <laughs> He's going to bring back the Adelaide Rams next. He probably will. No one would know. <laughs> People in Adelaide probably won't even know. Yeah. So just, you know, hiding the discount that he gave the TV The numbers stations. are very opaque. Yeah. We've just got 500 million from revenue, decided to create the bigger buckets so no one knows what's in each. Well, well, I mean, that's an interesting thing in the off-season that the AFL and the NRL both published their annual reports. The NRL annual report didn't have as much detail as previous years because they wanted to hide. Well, not hide, but... I suppose they, they didn't show the, the detailed breakdown of game day revenue, which was zero, television revenue, all those sorts of things. And, and, and so whilst revenue actually held up okay, I suspect the makeup of it was a little bit different. They cut the costs at head office dramatically. It went from about $20 million to about $12 million. Um, You know, it, it's an interesting thing. I wonder if the AFL didn't do the better deal. And it's just hard to tell, right? <laughs> exactly. Peter Valandis, it's hard to tell. Uh, a few other things, I guess, is... Cam Smith, we still don't know if he's retired or not. It looks like he has. Are we going to have this as a as the precursor to the season for the next five years? Cam Smith coming out of retirement to play for the Adelaide Rams. The scary thing is he probably could play till he's forty, but it just seems like he doesn't. He's retired, in my opinion. He just doesn't want to make a big deal about it. But it's made a big deal about it because it's a social media, you know, environment now. But he's got he's basically got till August to make up his mind now, right? First of August with, with the extension yep. of one month for the for the mid season move player movement. So So we still don't know what he's doing. It's gonna go on all season. And if you um, if you've got a hooker that's injured and you can get Cam Smith for forty percent on the dollar and he just plays the last twelve weeks of the season, the last ten weeks of the season, and you're in uh, you're in contention for a title and you take him. You take him, right? I mean, like I would, yeah, for sure. So I think I think what this actually does is give him a longer to make his decision. Probably a couple of other things. So the whole Sua 
Lai, I think. Suali. Joseph Suali, yeah. yeah. The whole... Were you trying to present... Were you trying to give that an ethnic pronunciation? I think so. I was going the Les Murray with the Les Islanders. Murray route, yeah. And um, that, that whole thing is just making me laugh. Um, Russell Crowe's taking a dig at the Roosters. So I love that the Russell Crowe dig... Uh, it's pretty transparent. We're both play, paying the same amount, so I don't know how he ended up at the Roosters. Of course, yes. Like I said to you. The salary cap sombrero. Called, um, I want to play with Sonny Bill Williams discount. The good thing is Sonny Bill Williams will be mentoring him, and I think that's a really good step. He went through a similar sort of thing where he literally became one of the best players in the game at 17 years old. So he's been through it. He knows what it feels like. I don't think he's good as Sonny Bill, and I think it's a lot of pressure to put on a kid that played for Norths in a trial game. Like, I don't know. You've got to see him in the heat of battle. It's, it's The rumour is the NRL is going to give the okay for him because you've got to be 18 to make your debut in first grade. But it looks like they're going to give him this special dispensation. But I totally disagree with that. Let's not put too much pressure on the kid, right? I mean, I just we just we just don't know at the moment. He looks good. He looks good. But how many good players come through in the youth leagues that don't, in the youth setup, that don't end up fulfilling their potential in NRL? He's also incredibly athletic, and he's seventeen, and he's a big unit as well. You're going to dominate if you got any talent. You're dominating the kids in your age group. Like, well, that's right. But not only that. I mean, think of him. Even compared to the men in the NRL, he's small. Yeah, that's right. And so, what are they going to do? They're going to do what they do to every player because defensively, they need to bulk him up depending on where they're going to play him. Right. So, I suspect they might play him in the centres. Yeah, the Roosters have got a fantastic training regime there, so they'll do the right thing. They're they're going to bulk him up, though, right? He's going to, but he's not going to be the the quick, big, you know player that he is now playing amongst the men so I think we need to give him a chance I'm just about the only 17 18 year old I know that came into grade and basically from the first match was an instant first grader was Brad Fittler if you remember he set up two tries on debut we're going back a long long time now I think it was against Wests in a muddy he was muddy, a freak mu- he was he was just a freak he put on a left foot step chip over the top try set one up that that was the Greg Alexander one he set up another one on the right edge and and he just he just he was a first grader from the off right probably the closest one since then different and the game was physically different back then yes the the, the other one Sonny Bill was another one actually that it did come in and he looked like a first grader from the off but it took him Five, six games to get into the swing of things. But basically, from the beginning, he did. Yeah, the reason why I bring Sonny Bill up is because, you know, they talk about letting him go before he's 18. Sonny Bill Williams is the only 17-year-old I've ever seen watching football in how many years throw men around like they were nothing. Like, in terms of his natural strength, I can't describe it to you. Like, as a 17-year-old, it's just not... It's generational, like unbelievable. Yet he still had injuries as he was growing, you know, because his body's not used to the the hits and the force, etc. And he had a lot of injuries early on until his body settled down. So I'm very much for that 18 year old cut off. I don't. I'm glad you brought it back to Joseph Suwali because um, it's only been 15 minutes before we've entered the Sunny Bill hour. Of course. Of course. Yeah, you can't. How can you not? G G G. The off season doesn't change everything. When is the court case? I think I don't think I'll be allowed to go near his um gym that he's probably opening up. I've got the... I've got a picture of you with a Hannibal Lecter mask being rolled out into the into the court. <laughs> Why are you here? I can't stay away from Sunny. I Bill's can't gym. stay away. Yeah, um, and the other thing we've brought up is you know the transfer windows. Uh, before we get to our favourite bit at the end, transfer windows and play alone. So. I hope they really do that. They're doing it in conjunction, it seems like, with the Players Association, which I think is good. Because you don't want you don't want it to be like the NBA in terms of people, you know, are playing for Para one week and the next week they're shipped off to Auckland. You mean like George Jennings and Daniel Alvaro? Well, that yeah. But that was kind of somewhat, I was hinting at that, somewhat temporary at least. You know, so hopefully they get a system like that. I think the loan system worked quite well and they're looking at sort of having a transfer window, which we've spoken about many times before, which I well, think Well, I think works. they got... I reckon they got to go one way or the other, right? I think that you've either got to go almost like an English Premier League-style system or you've got to go the NBA slash AFL route where you're kind of locked into the club for a... There's there's advantages to to the club that can make financial offers that the outside club can't, can't offer. So I think the NRL gets trapped in the middle a little bit. I think it gets trapped in the middle. It's trying to give players free movement while also trying to reward loyalty to the club and it, there's no perfect system when you're trying to hoe that road i suppose no the other problem they've got is they chop and change the rules around it all the bloody time we'll talk about that just before we start the season preview i'm i'm sort of a little bit iffy about some of the new rules 
Oh, we've got one other thing. How about the New South Wales Police Commissioner, Peter Volandis? I forgot to add this with the Peter Volandis section. Just decided to put the Police Commissioner on the ARL Commission. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, it's it would be such a massive conflict of interest for <laughs> the Police Commissioner just... to sit on the board. And I, I'm I'm blown away that they didn't check with the Premier before making it. This is what I mean. Sometimes the professionalism of all this, like he's just like Caesar. I like I actually really like the guy, but he's in, but he's I, in a to- I too as well. He's in a toga, just just giving out commands to, <laughs> just like this this year we're gonna do this. Do you reckon that um, one of the the people that work for him probably brought up the conflict of interest issue, and they've been they've just disappeared and been fed to the lions? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. He and Russell Crowe are standing there with their thumbs down, and some lions eating them. Yeah, <laughs> on Russell's farm, Nana Glen. Yeah, but yeah, that's just. I just thought, look, I get the concept, but like conflict of interest wise, it just immediately can't happen. It's not like the NRL doesn't have a track record of indiscretions either. Like he's gonna, he's gonna be conflicted every board meeting. He's yeah, gonna... pretty much. Like, oh, what do we do about this? We've got to hide this, or sorry, we're investigating that. <laughs> Yeah. What about his justification? What about just what about Landy's justification? Way to build confidence in the sport. There's too many people with connections to the underground criminal element. I mean, oh my god. <laughs> Do you think putting one guy on the board's gonna solve that issue? No. Oh, but, holy um... crap! Holy crap. Oh, you might have a bigger problem than you think there, mate. Holy crap! And then, and then, and then, I love the media cycle in, oh. in Sydney, right? I love that. That just gets glossed over. It's like a byline for a day, and then it's gone, right? I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, uh, if we think that there's a connection to the underworld element, shouldn't we launch a really serious investigation into that? <laughs> well, that's what the commission is probably there for. And then there's the conflict. The one just... guy who goes to four board meetings a year, like, oh my god. And one final thing um, I will say is the NRL seems to be really going hard at the Pacific Islands in terms of making... Great, great decision. Great decision. Great decision. I've been wondering why that hasn't been done so long ago because I think also rugby and rugby league used to take those those countries for granted and whoever sort of really stepped up and I think took control can really take over those islands in terms of sport so challenge there though oh, whilst i agree with the decision what you're really competing against in those pacific islands isn't against rugby league you're competing against the new zealand rugby yeah which is which is the equivalent in new zealand of what the rugby league is in new south wales and queensland right actually brad brad thorne the co- coach of the queensland red said there's a lot of similarities between the kangaroos and 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 the all blacks in terms of the way they go about things and the fact that they own the field that they're on. And, and I, I once he said that, I thought, that's actually a great analogy. The kangaroos are the equivalent of the All Blacks. So, But it's also great to really see them take that step up and really try to take control of the Pacific Islands in terms of really pushing rugby league and developing some of the, the kids from there. So, But, I mean, having said that, I do, th- I do think rugby league's got a representation issue between the play- players and the, and the administration. And I think both rugby codes in Australia do. More than fifty percent of the code is now Pacific Islander background, yeah, Pacifica or Aboriginal, or which is great, fantastic diversity. Incredible. The games are fantastic. The 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 explosiveness, the power, the speed, great sport. We all love it. We're doing a podcast on it, right? But but where are the administrators representing that constituency? That's a discussion for another time, and I think um, you know that's a diversity issue, and we face that in a lot of areas of society, really. This is why all the ideas are back to the future because the same people talking to each other. Agree. It's um and diversity is also not necessarily it's different people, but it's also different mindsets and different approaches and different ways of looking at things. And I think there is a little bit of that. And I think hopefully they'll um open up and we see a lot of these um, former players sometimes get developed into execs and help run the game as well. Shall we go to our favorite favorite story from the off season? This brought us a lot of laughs and made me say, God, I love rugby league. Are we talking about? Michael Leisha and Adam Elliott. We are indeed. Okay. We are indeed. Just checking. Mate, who pashes their mate's fiance? <laughs> so can I ask you a question? Which bloke sticks around with his mate's fiance after the, the guy goes, I'm going to bed? Obviously Adam Elliott. <laughs> Holy crap, who does that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't worry, don't worry about it, man. I'm just gonna hang out with your fiance for the next four hours drinking. <laughs> I don't know. Did these footy players have a bro code? Well, don't you remember that there's always that salacious rumour where never a team sort of has a bad season that someone slept with somebody's partner and blah, 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 which is total bullshit. But in this instance, it's happened. But 
Michael Leach had already left the club, so I can't blame the the um, last couple of seasons. Well, and then the rumors start coming out. He wasn't a very popular guy, as if that as if that explains why you would do that to your mate's fiance. <laughs> like he wasn't a, he left he left. He wasn't very popular amongst the playing stuff. <laughs> What's that got to do with the situation? So if you don't like somebody, everything's everything's on limits. You can do whatever you like. Is it? I mean, like, oh my god. I mean, there's no amount of training that the NRL can give to these players to overcome stupidity. Too much alcohol. Silly situation, crazy situation. Um, the good thing is it was at Connell's point, which is not too far. I could have walked down and diffused the situation myself. Oh, yeah, because I'm sure you showing up at three o'clock in the morning with your telescope into Sonny Bill's house, coming just coming back from the telescope with into Sonny Bill's house would have diffused the situation yeah, in, in, your, in your long trench coat. Correct. <laughs> it would have diffused the, what about the expert? No, nothing, nothing happened. I was just pashing him. That was the that was what she said. They might have thought I was a nineteen thirties detective and sort of you know said, "Hey, we better stop." So Dick Tracy, G Tracy, yeah, Dick Tracy. So um, I won't laugh. I've got one of those bone under um, overcoats. Yeah, so. you just wear. I mean, the people can't see it, but you wear it to each of our podcasts. That kind of had had me have a bit of a chuckle. The 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 worst thing about it is the NRL investigated. Let's like, investigate. I don't right. know. Tell me exactly what you did. What time? Adam Elliott was cleared. You? Adam Elliott was cleared. So cleared of what? I oh, can use Andrew Abdo's words. Can you talk me through your your mindset situation? Yeah, as you were pashing your mate's fiance. So what happened here? Oh well, I didn't know this was the right thing to do, but it just felt right at the time. I'd had a few drinks. Oh my! I just, I'm just, I'm blown <laughs> away. Just goes to show the culture of the clubs in good hands. It is. We're we're um, on an uptick this season. Things are, are looking you? great. Yeah, I, I think you might get up to fourteenth this season. Fourteenth or thirteenth. We'll, we'll cover that in your preview. But that's that. That's quite it, really. <laughs> Off season. There's probably more stuff that I missed, but quite a few different things happening. Brilliant. All right. Well, before we get on to the NRL season preview, um, I we're going to give you a chance to vent because we do this at the beginning of every season. We don't always record it, but you do need five minutes to get the new rules off your chest. Oh, God. Where do we start? What are your thoughts on the new rules? Is it kind of like halfway back to like an unlimited tackle thing where the six again rule was okay in doses, but now... Yeah, I think the game's going to be really quick. And and I think we've got to be careful what we want out of the sport. I mean, because there was no doubt there was more blowouts last year. Statistically, there was more blowouts. The games weren't as tight. And remember the criticism of Super League in that 97 season was that it was too much like touch footy. And we've got to be careful it doesn't go back to that. We've got to find the right balance between getting fatigue into the game versus keeping the games competitive. Because I'll tell you what, we'll do it when we get into the NRL season preview. But everyone's going, it's going to be great to have the footy back. And it is going to be great to have the footy back. But I can't see, I think there's a lot of average and below average clubs. I do, and I think this will be very interesting in terms of how the rules impact things. If you look at the way it's going, it's going to be teams that have a fantastic defensive structure. With the six again now, basically, for offsides as well, they can just keep on giving away penalties, and there's no points. Like, you can't take a kick at goal. It's just a six again. You know, why wouldn't you keep on infringing, for example? Well, well I think I think it'll be different types of infringements. The coaches will bring different types of infringements into the ruck because there's no doubt they've got to try and find a way to slow the game down. What it might also do is might return, because at the moment they kick for space, they kick for territory, but the, it might actually bring back the kick for touch from the 80s and 90s. Actually, yes, to slow the game down a little bit. That might that might come into play a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But if that Parramatta-Penrith trial game is anything to go go by, I think the ball was in play for another six or seven minutes. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, so now you're going to have teams that haven't probably done the right training in the off-season if they haven't concentrated on sort of the cardio, they're in, they're in trouble. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of teams in that. So it'll favour the younger teams. We've got to be careful about what type of sport we want. I would have I would have rather not extended the six again, but I would have reduced the interchange by one or two. I would have done that as well. I think that's the better way to do it. And I also think with the scrums, I know the scrums aren't a contest, but what it does is it puts six or seven defenders in one spot on the field. I think what they did last year was allowing you to move the scrum around so you can sort of create set plays was great. Well, and there was there was there was a lot of tries last year off the scrum. That's right, because it created a little bit more space. But now, being able to just set your line and play the ball, I mean, what are you doing? You think you're getting rid of something, but you're actually creating less space, which is the problem. I agree. I agree. We're gonna, we'll see how it goes. Like last year, I think they'll work it out towards the back end of the season. The game's got tighter. In the Well, the good thing is Emperor Valandi said they'll keep an eye out on how things go, and if they need to change the rules back, they'll do so. So, so 
<laughs> rugby league's got a history of this. Remember, was it the eighty-eight season? Was it the eighty-eight season or the eighty-nine season where they changed it to the ten meter rule mid-season <laughs> from the five meter rule? Yeah, it's just I just, just, just like week eleven. We're now we're now doubling the the space between the ruck and the defensive line. <laughs> it depended on probably maybe Manly was doing really well at the time with Ken Arthurson's influence. We might move on now to the NRL twenty twenty one season re- season preview after G and I dissected the NRL rules and decided we'll wait and see. So with hard-hitting analysis like that, we will move on to the NRL season preview. Just a bit of structure. We'll go through each of the teams alphabetically so that we don't get accusations of favouring one team over another. And then at the end, we'll cover off who we think the Premiership favourites are, our top eight, the Dally M winner, and who our Smokies are for this season. So you ready to go, G? Almost. Is this after the complaint from the odd South fan last year that we didn't spend enough time talking about South? No, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. I was I was very cranky with that South's loss. I was very <laughs> cranky. I was very... So all, 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 all objectivity, all objectivity was thrown out the window. Poor, and I'd, I'd like to apologise to Wonga Blake. I hope he enjoys it in reserve grade this year. Um, and uh, our, our right edge is going to look a lot better. Well, we're swapping. We're swapping that edge, Dylan Brown and... Sean Lane are going to the other side of the field this year, but we'll cover that off in the Parramatta Para preview. So first up is the Brisbane Broncos with a new coach, Kevin Walters. Um, They've lost a lot of players. They have a terrible defensive record. First time ever wooden spoon for the traditional powerhouse of the club, of the comp. What do you think of the the baby Broncos? I've got got my own views on, on this one. I think they will come last again. To be honest, I don't. They've again got a good mix of talent. They're athletic, they're young, but the thing is, last year they were so far off the pace. Yes, it sounded like they had a culture issue with their coach. They've had a few exchange, a few barbs in the off season as well, which I forgot to mention. But you know, signing Copley again, veteran, good cover. John Asiata. John Asiata is very useful if you use him in the right way. What is that way? Because I don't know what that way is. You, you, he actually has always carried a bit of pud. Yes, really, because I've got I've I've got eyes as well. So, but they yeah. tried him in the halves. They tried him in the back row. He's 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 almost like a combo guard in the NBA. He's not one of anything. No, I would actually play him either as a ball playing sort of tighter back rower. And have him there, but he's got to be fit. The thing is, they try to put him in play, and he's not fit enough to actually sort of stay out long enough, but he's got great skill. Let me give you the players they've lost. David Fafita, Sean O'Sullivan, Jack Bird, Joe Offangawi, Andrew McCulloch, Darius Boyd, Matt Gillette, Jamil Hopawati, Jordan Kahu, Richie Kenar, Ilakena Vudogo, and Isaac Luke. Now, I've got no problems with some of those releases, I've got to be honest with you, because they didn't play well. Their first five games are the Eels, the Titans, the Bulldogs, the Storm, and the Rabbitohs. They are highly likely to end up with one win out of five or six. Well, only if they beat the Bulldogs. Well, that's... But yeah, that's probably the game I was thinking about that they might have a chance of winning. Katoni Staggs is out till mid-season. He's their best player by far. Last year, they had 123 penalties against them, the most conceded by any side in the comp. 75 six again infringements, the fifth most in the NRL, and they leaked over 31 points a game. Over five tries a game, they leaked. I think they have picked up anyone useful. I don't know what they do. I mean, I, I'm, I've got them in the bottom three. I don't quite have them as wooden spooners because I think there's a team that's going to be worse. The only thing I can think that could save them is if Kevy plays, and I think this is a really tough first gig for Kevy. No matter how good a bloke he is, he's got to fix the roster, he's got to fix the culture, he's got to do everything else. Both the, the 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 both the edges and through the middle was very weak. Ironically, I think David Fafita was terrible in defence despite his size last year. So losing he him was not, horrible. So losing him might not be the worst thing in the world. They've got John Cartwright and Terry Madison on the coaching staff now. The only thing I can, the only light I can see for them, the only glimmer of hope I can see for them, is that they play the youngsters. The game gets really quick, and the youngsters adapt. That's possible, actually. I do think they ran heavy, but it's hard with COVID last year to really determine how fit some of these guys can be. But they are a young team. They've got a bit of pace and a bit of talent. But the thing is, they're all good. I think the only way they can really go forward is if a lot of these young guys improve, which I think some of them will. Like Flegler and you've got Dearden will be a little bit better. Maybe Brody Croft sort of, you know, is more comfortable. But they're really looking for... Dearden, Croft and Milford is your halves. 
Yeah, I, they're just not good enough. This It's just the cattle. It's a bit like the Broncos last year. I, just, I don't know where the... I mean, they'll, they'll pick some of the structures. They'll pick some of the defensive structures. I don't think they'll concede 31 points again this year. So I don't think they'll get blown away. But I'm, I'm, Tony Staggs was by far their best player. He's out this year. I just don't know where they're going to go. I think they're going to finish in the bottom two. Definitely bottom three for me. I think they'll come last or second last for sure. But I think... What they're looking for is an improvement, a better attitude from some of the players, a little bit of improvement from all the players, being in games, winning the odd bit of game, I think for them would be significant progress. A couple of players to watch there. I think Payne Haas had a great season last year in a defeated team, and they used him like a wrecking ball, right? He was playing 80 minutes each week. Hopefully, Kevy uses him the right way this year. I think um, I know he's going to miss the first three games after his misdemeanor with the police, that which we also didn't talk about in the... In, in the in the off-season incidents. But but I do think one player to keep your eye out is Tessie New. I think he, he's been, by all accounts, really good at pre-season. With Katoni Staggs out, he'll get a crack at right centre. And, and he's bulked up. And I think he's on the radar for the Titans because I think he's off contract at the at the end of the year. So um, Anthony Milford is also off contract this year. And I, I've got a theory that the off-contract players remarkably play well in their contract year, a bit like the NBA. So Kevy's already come out and said he won't tolerate them missing the finals, but I cannot see how they make the finals. I, no, I don't think they have any chance at all to make the finals. I think a successful season for the Broncos will probably be about 12th. I actually think they'll come 16th or 15th. I think they'll be last. Well, we'll run through our ladder at the end, but I, th- but I, but I do think they're, they're not going to be great. All right, well, so we'll, m- we'll move on to the Canberra Raiders. Um, the Canberra Raiders went very close, one within one game of a grand final after making in 2020 after making the grand final in 2019 they did have josh hodgson out for the for basically the all, all of last season um tom starling did a great job there but you know i think they'll be there or thereabouts i still think the raiders are in their premiership window they've they've signed well in harry rushton from wigan ryan james caleb akins from the panthers albert hopawati from the sea eagles John Bateman, John Bateman and Nick Kotrick are the big big losses. But I was highly critical of John Bateman in the second half of last year. I thought he's I thought for for the glimpses he gives you in attack, I thought he was he wasn't defending well on the edge. So I'm not sure that's going to be again a little bit like the Dave Fafita thing. People only watch one side of the field, so I think that might be okay for the Raiders. I think they've recruited well. They've got the Tigers, the Sharks, the Warriors, Titans and the Panthers in their first five games. So not too bad, not a, not, not, not a terrible draw. And so I think they'll be there or thereabouts, and I think they'll be hungry. So I've got them. I've got them. I've, I think they're one of the few teams that can win the comp. I agree with that. I think they'll be in the top four. I think they have signed well. I think Ryan James is a really, really good pickup. He was a kid that sort of, you know, had the, the potential at the beginning, sort of went through a little bit of a phase where he was a bit up and down. And then the last few years, he's been sensational. I mean, last year he was injured. Um, Nick Kotrick, I have my thoughts about Nick. I don't think he's as big a loss as it appears to be. I think he was physical and strong, but I do also feel like he was quite slow. They bulked him up. He's not nowhere as quick as he, what he was when he was a kid. I mean, he, I mean, if if the people listening go, it'll take you ten seconds. Google Nick Kotrick, what he looked like in his second season of NRL, and what he looked like last year. Yeah, it's he's not carrying fat. He's just a much much bigger body. Yeah, totally. Not nothing to do with any sort of you know um, extra weight. Just more so, just a bulkier his weight from. His bulk and it slowed him down enough, so I think it made the Can- Canberra a little bit less dangerous in attack. It sounds silly to say that, and Caleb Aikens I think will will improve that from Penrith. Penrith just had too much talent, and the Raiders have picked up some of it. It'll be interesting to see what they can do with Albert Hopewadi. Um, and I think the new rules will actually suit the way Ricky Stewart coaches, which is that high intensity, try and play fast. But he's not overly technical as a coach, if that makes sense. It's very structured, very quick. And it sort of takes me back to when he was coaching the Roosters. So I actually think the rules might suit the Raiders. Settled side, they've got they've got it's these players like Emre Gula, yeah, the Corey Horberg. I had I can never pronounce his name. Horsberg. Don't and, worry, he'll get cited. He's already been cited twice. <laughs> and and you know Josh Hodgson coming back, big ins. They're almost like new players, right? Not in addition to Ryan James and the players they've recruited. I, yeah, Al, Albert Hopewadi won't be able to play till May, at least, given the NRL rules around development. New South Wales Cup contracted players. It was worth a shot. I know he's had two ACL ruptures in the last twelve months, but he was right up there with Bradman Best as the the, the most promising centre in the comp. And probably Zach Lomax is now overpassed past them a little bit. You know, the one the one concern I've got is do they have enough speed on on the edges? I think that's a discussion that's really going to come into play. I don't know if they do, and I think that 
but that was partly their weakness. Albert Hopawati could potentially help with that in the second half of the season too. They need more speed, and this is the other thing is too, they might have trained differently, and that'll be what really, for me, the first week shows, is how are you shaping up physically for the season? Um, and that might have an impact, but I just think, like you said, they're settled, they've got depth, so if someone gets injured, there's always someone else that can at least come in and do a pretty good job. Might not be as good, but they've got depth across the field, really, from fullback to wing, centre, in the in the forwards especially. They've got veterans, they've got youngsters, they've got Starling now, they've got Tarpane, you know, Valame played really well last year, Whitehead, Whiten, George Williams, Sam Williams, they've got a really deep team. Oh, they're, they're settled roster. They're a, they've got a great 30-man roster. My only question mark is the speed. That's the only thing. I agree with that. I think um, they will be in the top four because I don't. There's a lot of teams that are okay. My, I'll put my hands up. I think there's only. I think the top six, in whatever order you pick them, are locks. And I think of the top six, only four of them can win the comp. Canberra top four for me. I think they're looking good. And if they don't, they have an injury-free run. They'll be really dangerous at the back end. I don't know if they have the speed to beat the best teams right at the top. Once they get, like you say, that game away from the grand final. That showed up last year, but who knows? With injuries, certain things change, you know, but they're definitely up there, and I think they'll be in the top four. Fantastic. All right, well, we'll move on. Everyone, settle in. It's that time of the week. We, when, when, we, when, when we get together, we sit down, we grab a glass of red wine, and we go into G's Bulldogs Hour. Gee, we're up to the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs with their brand new coach, Trent Barrett, who said he learnt everything he learnt about footy from getting face slapped from Nathan Brown. So I look forward to him bringing that to the dogs this year. It's a new coach, almost a brand new roster, because what you guys needed was more back rowers. So well, he signs quite a few, so that's great. It's fantastic. You've got you're gonna you're gonna play thirteen back rowers. It looks like so. Um, yeah. you, your attack was dreadful last year. Um, the worst attack in the comp. Um, yep. Oh well, with the exception of the Broncos, so let's just park the Broncos. No, had the worst. actually, ours was worse. Well, you looked worse, but you scored more yeah. points than them. Yes, correct. B- b- big difference, but we we don't have we didn't have the explosive power that they did last year. So. No, no, no. You bored teams into scoring tries, so so that's what happened. Yep. So Barrett doing it. Barrett coming in after Steve George Allis replaced Dean Pay. Uh, Barrett Seagulls stint obviously ended really well. <laughs> <laughs> quite acrimoniously as he started to put his own furniture into the gym but he did he did he did he did guide the clubs he did guide the sea eagles back to the finals in 2017 daily cherry evans and the players speak highly of him and the panthers attack which what he was in charge of last year was absolutely brilliant so let's let's look at the new signings and i th- actually think you've done really well in this off season uh, nick kotrick Corey Waddell, yep. Jack Hetherington, yep. Kyle Flanagan, and Corey Allen. Now, I think Corey Allen was one of the breakout stars for the Rabbitohs last year. They couldn't keep him in the salary cap. That's a great get. Nick Kotrick is better than any outside back you had there from last year. Jack Hetherington's a good, solid sec- second rower. I, I think in between good. suspensions. Well, in between suspensions, but you have lost yep. Aiden Tolman there, so he could he could. I know he's on the he's on the back row, but he but he could help replace some of that. Now, I, the big one's Kyle Flanagan for me because you didn't get Matt Burton. It still looks like he's not going to come till 2022. Yep, that's for sure. Now, my view is I was very critical of Kyle Flanagan. He's a young player, but he didn't. I understood why the Roosters got rid of him. He was absolutely a turnstile in defence. And Luke Keery was the dominant caller. And when Luke Keery was out, he didn't have the confidence to, to, to manage the team around the park. Now, that is the reason you guys originally got Blake Green, because you needed a game manager. I'm not sure Kyle Flanagan's a game manager yet. And actually, in terms of the way he plays, I think Jake Avarillo might actually be the best half at the Bulldogs, not Kyle Flanagan. So from my perspective, G, um, and, you know, it hurts me to say this as a Parramatta fan. I'm sure it does. But... <laughs> I think you'll improve, but I think you'll be in the bottom four again from from my perspective. But trending the right way. Does that make sense? It does. I do think we will improve significantly, um, you know, knowing some people that work with the club. Uh, the training has significantly changed. Like, the team's been very unfit for a long time. And a lot of the players have lost a lot of weight. Like, even Will Hopawati looks very lean. And I think that that will, in and of itself, improve the team for sure because they they sort of had the right attitude the last few years 
you know, when they were never really in games, but they kind of hung in. So I'm expecting a lot of improvement just from that. And Sione Katoa looks like a totally different player. Josh Jackson looks um, a lot trimmer. I saw Josh Jackson on holidays up the coast. You were with me. We saw him, yeah. Yes. He's been hampered significantly. He looks very different. He didn't appreciate that bum pat you gave him either. That's okay. That's fine. You know, um, hopefully he'll be getting a few um, after scoring a few tries this year. So, so, so can I just can I just tell you why I think the Bulldogs will still be, despite all these positive signs, fifteen of your thirty man squad are off contract this year, and it's and it's some of the players that have been regular starters for you in first grade: Will Hopewati, Dylan Napa, Dean Britt. Jeremy Marshall King, Sione Katoa is off contract at the end of this year, Lachlan Lewis, Nick Meany, um, Jaden Ockenbohr, and Chris Crichton. So yep. it's still a work in progress. I don't think you're a top eight team. No, I don't think so. I think, look, I'm expecting development from Avarillo. You could, I, I, think he, I think he's the best half you've got at the club. In the absence of Matt Burton, I think he'll be the best half you've got at the club. I think you could convince me that you're going to move into that group of meh, that middle range that kind of ranges from the Titans to Manly. You know, it's got North Queensland. It's got some of those teams in there. You could easily convince me you're in that mixed. But, you know, I, even if you make the eight, which I don't think I picked you guys in the bottom four, I think you'll be you'll, you'll be hard-pressed to to do anything even if you get there. So that's that's my assessment of the Bulldogs. I'm, I'm not doing it deliberately. I watched a lot of them last year. A lot's going to depend on whether Kyle Flanagan lives up to some of his potential this year. And coming at it from a fan's perspective, you know, you li- read some of the signings and you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, we're going to prove qu- quite a fair bit. But then when you're doing your prep for the season, you're like, actually, maybe not. So <laughs> it's um, you take a bit more of a rational view. But on the same, I think they will definitely improve. We've got some good talent coming through. Matt Dury showed a little bit. He, again, needs to trim. Adam Elliott needs to get fitter. Jake Avarillo is just a natural footballer. If it was me, I'd actually have him at fullback. But I think our back line is good. I don't know if it's going to be strong enough to actually score points. I think the forward pack's actually not too bad. Yeah, I think you'll be a better balanced team this year. So what I mean by that is you relied so much on your defence last year. I think you'll have more attacking potency, and I think trimming the players up will help with that as well, by all accounts. Yeah, for sure. But, but, but I think you'll concede more points as well. I don't think your defence will be as tight as it was last year. And that, and, that, and that kept you in the game a lot of the time last year. Oh yeah, of course. The attack was woeful, and I think the attitude and defence was there, but I mean, Ogden, I really rate quite highly. I'm hoping Chris Smith improves. He shows flashes, but then at times he gets tired and lets through a fair few runners. But Luke Thompson, Renoff Tuomunga is very talented. Luke Thompson's a good player. I like him. Renoff Tuomunga. So I think the initial 17 is relatively okay. We don't have much depth. And I think that's where with dealing with injuries and things like that, some of the people that come in are not quite you know the replacements you need if you come if you're cha- challenging for a top eight i think will improve for sure and the more i think about it i think like you say anywhere between that sort of span from 11th to 12th or 13th sometimes they might be near the eight and i think other times i'll fall out of touch um you've got the knights panthers broncos rabbitos and storm first up not a great start it's actually probably a good start to see where you stand i think in terms of where how you can match well up. i reckon you've got three of the top four there in your first five games and a team that finished eighth last year in the night so that broncos game's gonna it all it, it's because the broncos got a tough draw as well i think that's shaping up as a massive game but you know kyle flanagan's a work in progress he's a young kid I do like the signing of Corey Waddell from what I saw of him at the Eagles. He's tall, lanky, quite fast, and hits holes really well. He's quite agile on the fringe, and I think actually he'll make a big difference. We haven't spoken about him. Aiden Tolman's going to be a big loss. Corey Allen will walk into fullback, right? So that allows Will Hopawati not to play fullback anymore. Um, so that's that's really... well, And he's big and he's strong. I think Corey Allen's a very good player, and he played Origin last year. Look at the, the, the players you've also lost. Kieran Foran, Marcelo Montoya. You've lost Sue to Newcastle. Jack Cogger, who, who who had glimpses last year, Jack Cogger. Karen Holland. Never got, never got a fair shot, Jack Cogger, for some reason. Tim, just... The corpse of Tim Lafay has now joined our reserve yes. grade team. And, uh, but the big one that I think, whilst you've strengthened the forwards, Aidan Tolman was the heart and soul of that club. I just I feel bad when these players leave at the end of their... And, and, and basically, the Sharks are the retirement home for all these players. Yeah, look, I didn't want to lose him. I think he sets the right culture. He has the right attitude in every game. He's always closing gaps even last year he's doing half the tackling for the forwards yeah all the stuff that no one sees and notices he's that guy he is for sure i'd love for him to have even at the sharks for a camera to sort of follow him around 
You know how they got those player cameras? Just just if the police are listening to the podcast, um, <laughs> they, well, we acknowledge that G is not allowed to do this with footy players anymore. Look, move on. Um, but yeah, look, I'm hoping Nick Meany improves, but I'm looking for improvement. I think they will definitely play a lot better and we will improve. We're nowhere near the eight at the moment, but a good season will be on the fringe of the eight. I think we'll come around 11th or 12th. All right, well, we'll move on to the... Cronulla Sharks, big season for the Sharkies. Yes, a huge season. Huge season for the Sharkies. They've got a lot of players off contract this year. Um, and so some of their some of their salary cap does free up at the end of this year. Um, last year, they did make the eight, but it was no Sean Johnson, no Sharks last year. Basically, he gave them their entire, entire attacking spark. They couldn't score without him. Andrew Fafita by all accounts in the off-season, was quite hurt last year, which is why he was a bit out of shape. So apparently he's trimmed down. So what happened to these six seasons before that? <laughs> he's always been a little bit out of shape. He, like he was probably of... playing hurt and couldn't drag himself around because he's got quite an engine for Fe- Andrew Fafita. But come on, man. You've been out of shape for like six yeah, years. Yeah, I agree. But, but look at the players they've got unsigned for 2022. Sean Johnson, Matt Moylan, Aaron Woods, Josh Dugan, and Aidan Tolman. Aiden Tolman went there on a one-year contract. Yeah, oh, that's what I mean. Ridicu- I don't know why we let him go, but anyway. So they've they've also got a they've few rising players coming off contract, right? Aquaman. Yep. Talakai. It, it was brilliant last yep, year. It was great. William Kedney, Braden Trindle, and Connor Tracy, and they have got Cameron McInnes coming in in 2022. Now, my view on the Cronulla Sharks: you could easily convince me of a seventh place finish and a fifteenth place finish. They're in that group of clubs. That could go either way. North Queensland's another one that's in this boat. Now, the reason why I'm actually favouring them to do better than worse in that group is because they're experienced. And I've got a theory that players that are off contract, having contract years, usually put in a great performance to try and get another contract. So I'm backing in Matt Moylan to have a much better season. If you've seen him in the trials, he was actually really good in the trials for the Sharks. Um, and if these, if players like Sean Johnson, Matt, if Sean Johnson plays like he did last year, Matt Moylan, Aaron Woods, Josh Dugan, Aiden Tolman have great years. Then, then they'll, in my view, they'll be they'll be closer to seventh than they will be to fifteenth. First up, they've got the Dragons, which it would I, I, it would take a miracle to lose to the Dragons at the moment after that Charity Shield performance. The Raiders, the Eels, the Cowboys, and the Roosters. So not a not a overly hard draw, but not a not an easy draw either. Middle of the road draw. Um, Aiden Tolman's their main signing. They've lost Cameron King, which I was surprised he was still running around. He retired. Scott Scott Sorensen's gone to the Panthers. Of course he has. Bryson Goodwin is officially retired and now on the aged pension. He pretty much <laughs> is. The scary thing he was better than half our backs last year. So and and Caleb Milne, who who. So that that's my view on the Sharks. I think I think they've got um decent young players coming through. I wonder if they don't make the eight this year or give it a shake this year. I think. Shane Flanagan comes back in 2022 and they do a rebuild. Massive year for them. Massive year for them. I'm with you. They've got a lot of veterans and they have some young talent. I think of all the sort of teams that are left over, they've kind of got the most regularly proven talent, if that makes sense. Some of the other teams have got, like I was talking about Nick Meany and you know players like that for the Dogs where they show flashes. The Sharks have actually got a lot of these players that have played well for a number of years. They just haven't been playing at their best last year. But, you know, you've got Moylan. Magulius is a really good player as well. Um, and they got a, some of them got a, a taste of first grade last year. And they showed something in sort of games. They were a bit inconsistent. But, you know, Braden Trindles and, like you said, Connor Tracy. I like Connor Tracy, but I think he's off contract as well at the end of this year. He is. Will Kennedy. You know, the more he played, the more dangerous he looked. And if the game's a lot quicker... You rated, you rated Will Kennedy much higher than I did. I did. He's the, the thing is, there's so many good fullbacks that you look at him and think, okay, he's not one of the best. But as a player, I actually think he's really good. I don't think at fullback he got involved in the game enough. Probably not. And I think that's where you'd see him win games where he's involved and it made the Sharks a little bit more dangerous. But... They've got a decent hooker in Braley. They've got Fafita, if he's back, like you say, to full fitness. Dugan, hopefully, if he's at full fitness, they're a little bit stronger. Wade Graham's skillful. You know, Hamlin Whaley. Can I, can I tell you who it hinges off for me? I think I think it hinges off injuries for a start. But secondly, yeah. secondly, I think if Sean Johnson and Matt Moylan stay on the field, from what I saw, the brief glimpses I saw of Matt Moylan in the preseason, and Matt Moylan's back to his best... They're a very dangerous side. They're a dangerous side. You wouldn't want to play them in the finals, right? So Ramian's got talent. They've got Talakai on the fringe. If you've got Moylan crossing across the field 
Well, he just he gives you he gives you the other side. I know Chad Townsend plays there, but really, if you've got Sean Johnson on the right and then Matt Moylan coming around on the left-hand side, either first or second receiver, or, or the fullback role coming around the back on either side, like that, that makes you quite dangerous. And if and if the game's faster and they're fitter, like I don't know if you saw in the paper the photos of of um, Matt Moylan's calves, they, they look extraordinary. But oh, sorry, that's a very G comment. <laughs> No, I would, it is, but I probably would have photoshopped them on my um Well, you've got Instagram. it on your folder, like like high school. Remember how you stuck photos? Yeah, the fact is his cars probably would have been a little bit whiter than mine. I don't know if that would have made it. People would have picked that up. But but no, I think it's, like you say, he adds something to them, and he is a dangerous ball runner. Like, I don't know if his issue has been injuries. It probably has been a little bit, but you also hear on a regular basis from too many people that some of its application and a little bit of attitude at the time. Now, whether the injuries have caused that, I don't know. But, you know, he was also one of these players that came through at Penrith and immediately was like, oh, this guy's a superstar. Let's put him in state of origin. So it kind of rose really high, really quick. Well, I, th- I think the one thing about him, though, and this is the problem, right? This is this has been, always been the conundrum with Matt Moylan because I do watch both sides of the game. So it, he can't defend in the line. He gets caught out too many times. So, so for that reason, they stick him at fullback. But then he's not dangerous enough when he's not at fullback. So he's this, he's this dilemma. He's this highly talented player. You, you kind of lose you, you lose too much in the defensive line when you've got him there because he gets stepped. His lateral movement in defense isn't fantastic. So I, I just think with a contract here, these are big name players in a contract here, right? So if they pull their finger out and they get a decent run with injuries, they're going to be closer to 7th and 15th. I mean, they're too much talent. North Queensland's in the same boat, right? You look at North Queensland's team on paper, they're quite talented, but... How many times have they flattered to deceive, right? Yeah, and to be honest, I'm I'm iffy with... There's a whole group between 7 and, say, 11th or 12th that I've got no idea. The Sharks are 100% one of those teams because they have the talent. I don't know if it's all going to work together. To me, they got the pieces. Last year, they had a lot of injuries. But I think if they're all together and all firing, they're, they're a very dangerous side because they've got explosiveness in the forwards and skill in the forwards as well. So they're, they're, they're quite a good top 17 across the park. But I think a lot of it would depend on injuries with them and attitude. So more, again, Moylan, Kennedy, Fafida, you know, Magulius, Ramian, Rudolph, they've, they've got a strong side. I just um, I wonder if if they all stay injured. I think they're a definite, um, stay, sorry, injury-free. They're a definite top eight. I don't know if they can cover all the, you know, sort of injuries that occur during the season. We'll see how they go. But I've got them between seven and... 7th and 11th. I think they'll win their first game. That might be my first bet of the season against the Dragons. So next up is the Gold Coast Titans. They were my just about my favourite non-Parramatta team to watch last year. They, they were, were awesome to watch. They were Great. awesome to watch. Like there was just drama and Ash Taylor was enjoying his footy again. Justin Holbrook, they've recruited really well. I can see what Justin Holbrook's building there. I really, really, really want them to finish in the top eight. They've recruited Tino, big Tino. Herman SASA, David Fafita, Patrick Herbert, Sam McIntyre. They had Jay Arrow, Ryan James, Young Tanamapaya, Bryce Cartwright, Keegan Hipgrave, Dale Copley, Shannon Boyd, Nathan Peets, and Tyrone Roberts leave the club. I think they'll finish in the top eight. I loved watching them. Tino and David Fafita, they got state of origin back rowers. They've got AJ, AJ, AJ Brimson is going to be one of my dark horses for the Dally M when we get to that bit of the pod. Okay. Jamal Fogarty, for the love of God, Justin Holbrook, I hopefully you've put enough pace into Jamal Fogarty to outrun Josh Papali. I think that's the, they just do the virtual fitness test in the off season, so you just got to outrun Josh Papali every when you're in. It's like a ghost, you know when you play, like a ghost, yeah. You know when you play the racing games, like Mario yeah, Kart, Mar- yeah. It's so, a ghost that follows that's you. That's correct. So, but but notwithstanding that, he was fantastic. Now, both Ash Taylor and Jamal Fogarty, particularly Jamal Fogarty on that right edge, was an absolute turnstile in defence. But yeah. when that, but when they moved him into the side, he organised them a lot better, and they played with joy last year. They were a joy to watch, and AJ Brimson was great. So, I really hope that continues. I I think we need a good Gold Coast team in the comp. I love what Justin Holbrook's building there. And I, and I think they'll finish the seventh or eighth. But they're in that group. They're in that group in the middle. I just think they'll finish towards the top. I'm the same. I've got them seventh because probably because I really enjoyed watching them play. And, of course, you know, Jim Dimmick's involved. I have to mention, Jimmy, hey, Jimmy, how are you going? Okay, um, let's all settle in for the Jim Dimmick hour. <laughs> the, the, Jim Dimmick pod, the Jim Dimmick podcast. G and T dissect Sonny Bill Williams and Jim Dimmick and leave four minutes for the season preview. 
Oh, that'd be great. That chapter would go on for like hours. But it'd just be you talking though. It'd just be you talking. Yeah, basically. The thing is though, they're, they're fantastic to watch on with you. I think they're going to improve. They bought, I think, well. I think Tino and Fafita, I'm a little bit iffy about the Fafita signing. I think they're buying potential still. I agree. And I think and, and I think Justin Holbrook, would. if I was him, I would have just left him in the classroom just watching videotape because he was terrible in defense. So his contact was terrible. He just needed to work on his defense last year. He's got no. He's a he's a destructive ball runner, but if he's going to play him on either through the middle or on that left edge, he needs him to make tackles because he's got halves around him that can't tackle. Now, if David Fafita's not tackling and he's got Ash Taylor on his left edge there, that teams are going to attack that. Having said that, they barely beat a good side last year as well, so I think they will be in that group. I just think they'll be that middle group, but they'll be. To, I'm hoping they're towards the top. Yeah, and look, and that's what I mentioned about Fafita. He's he's another one of these immediate superstars because he's such a destructive ball runner and he looks incredible at times. But then he's playing in teams that are getting flogged and his defense is crap a lot of the time. Is it an attitude thing? Well, it's got it's got to be an attitude thing. It has to be an attitude thing because physically he's got all the attributes. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing, right? So It's not like he's not quick. It's not like he's not big. It's not like he can't hit hard. It's not like he's not a damaging runner. It's not like he's got slow lateral movement, although he's looked like that at times last year. That it's just it's got to be an attitude thing. He's got all the physical attributes. And that's why I'm a little bit iffy about that signing is that he's your highest paid player. He's your superstar in theory. If his attitude is poor, I think that that has the potential to impact the team. I think Tino is a really good signing if they play him as a prop. Um, SASA, great for backup. Well, I mean, Tino Tino didn't start, remember, so he wasn't getting through 60 minutes a game. So it'll be, that, that's the big test for Tino this year. He's going he's gonna to have to play a bigger role for the Gold Coast Titans than he did for Melbourne last year. And I, I think this year there are a few players that will get better. I do, again, I know the, the physical preparation last year, COVID, stuffed up a lot of players. I think it's hard for, you know, some players that aren't ultra-disciplined with their fitness constantly, you know, outside of the sort of team environment. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, that, that, and that's fine, is they missed some of that, I think. Um, I think Philip Sammy will improve significantly. He looked really good at times. Tremaine Spry. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Well, he's going to start. Well, we'll see what the team lists come out of on Tuesday. But I, I think he'll be, if he gets a decent run in first grade, he could be rookie of the year type thing. He will. But he was carrying a lot of weight. He wasn't a full-timer. But some of his talent, his speed, his ability to back up. And he's, in, again, like you say, the enthusiasm they played with. He is someone to watch out for. Tyron Peachy, again, was fantastic last year. They still got Proctor. Jonas Pearson is a good pickup. Tyron Peachy was heaps better when they played him at 13, but they played him like the old-style Jim Dimmick lock. Not the, yes. Not the battering ram. He was the ball-playing lock. And that was, if you remember the podcast last year, 13 is the most interesting position in the comp. Because it of is. the new rules, you get people who play really tight, Almost like another prop, like a Sam Burgess type when it, later on in his career. Or you get the Jimmy Dimmick type that is the ball player. That's almost like the Brayton Astor style of, 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 yeah. of lock. So it's a very interesting position how they play him. And, and Tyrone Peachy looked a lot better. Jamal Fogarty came into the team, organised them better. And then they had Tyrone Peachy at 13 being a bit like Brayton Astor. And that's the thing. And I think that added to their attack because they had Brimson following the ball around constantly. They had Fogarty who could organise the team. They also had Ash Taylor again playing what he sees and really enjoying his football. I think Fatuaki is fantastic. They've got a really balanced team. They've got speed. They've got experience. They're they're not a contender. But to me, if they play well, they're definitely going to be in the eight. I don't see them missing out because... The way they play, the faith I have in Holbrook and Dimmick in terms of the way they organise their attack. Brian Kelly showed really good flashes last they year. Did. Their top 17 has got some speed and skill about it. And they play with an enthusiasm which allows them to back each other up. So they turn half chances into tries. Right, A lot of teams are very structured. They do play structured, but there's a little bit of that second phase, follow up and follow the ball. And that's something I think Dimmick and Holbrook really push. And they're mobile. And they're big. They've got a little bit of everything. So I'm looking forward to watching the Titans play. I think I've got them in the eight at seventh. I think I'm with you. There's a top six that's kind of settled. Yeah, locked in. But I do also think that the Titans are one of these teams where if they've got a couple of players that have been around and starting to hit their stride with the right coaching, you don't want to meet them in the finals if they're fit and all playing well. No, I, I I I don't put them in the Cronulla camp. I haven't got them quite as good as that at their best, but they're on the upswing, whereas I think Cronulla's 
either at the peak or on the on the way down. So so I think that if they can keep the core together, they'll be better next year and the year after, right? So I think they're on the upswing. They're a bit like Canterbury, they're a little bit better than Canterbury though. Oh, a lot better, but um, but we're getting there. You know, you can only improve. I think, I think the team that won New South Wales Cup was better than Canterbury last year. So, all right, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to Manly. They are a little bit like Cronulla in that no Sean Johnson, no Cronulla, and no Tommy Turbo, no Manly last year. A lot of injuries. They they got Andrew Davy coming in, Kieran Foran for his swan song. I, I presume this will be a swan song contract. They they've recruited Christian Tuapalutu. From the Roosters, Jason Saab did sign with the Dragons, but oh, we did sign with the Seagulls. But obviously, he's got he's uh, he's got something to prove there. Josh Aloiye from the West Tigers. That was another one that played out in public. The yeah. transfer there after Aiden Fanua Blake and all the rumours about him after he left to go to the Warriors. They lost Corey Waddell, Joel Thompson, Albert Hopawati, Danny Levi, Tony Williams. Like they, oh, I can't believe Tony Williams is still running around. He's he's there with Bryce Goodwin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think they've got a tough start to the season in the Roosters, Rabbitohs, Dragons, Panthers, and Warriors. Um, Tommy Turbo, don't know. His, his, his fitness test will be along the Manly Corso, running against Harry. That'll be his fitness test for his first week back. They should just Des Hasler get him down the Corso and having a run down there. Yeah. What about how the, the face-saving eye, he did it coming out of the bathroom. <laughs> oh, no, dude, he did it ch- racing Harry down the Manly Corso. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to tell you, do you believe the PR spin? Nah, no way. No way. He absolutely no. did it running down that corso. Absolutely. Can you imagine? It's already a bit of a shitstorm media-wise. And Can you imagine if he actually came out and said, yep, one of our players was out celebrating Brad Parker's birthday and they decided to have a sprint down the Manly Corso. And for all of those that listen that have the odd night out with a few drinks, you do silly things like that. That's how you tear your hamstring. Oh, oh God, God, that's like never-ending material. Oh, the good thing is, I do want to say something about that, is the good thing is Des Hasler said, <laughs> Des Hasler style, we're lucky he doesn't have three hamstrings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, and, you know, the article I read also said that the the thing is he injured his good hamstring, which was his right hamstring. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a so, problem when you've got it in both. I mean, this is getting chronic now, right? I mean, let me give you a stat. Let me give you a stat. They've won 14 of 19 games that he played in in 29 and 2020 combined, so 74%. Mm. With him sidelined over that same period of time, they only won 8 out of 27. God, that's stark. That's a huge difference. Stark difference. And you've said it before in the past, Desi Hasler's teams rely on a fullback, rely on a decent Absolutely. fullback. Absolutely. Because he plays a very structured style of football. Corey, Kieran Foran's got a history of injuries. They play 11. 11 of their games are against teams that finished in the top eight last year. So they've got a tough draw. It's not an easy draw. I, I've got them in the middle pack, but I've got them towards the back end of the middle pack. I've got to be honest with you. I don't know where to put them. If you look at their squad, say like a 25, 30-man squad, they have pretty experienced players or players that have shown something almost all of them, right? Like Schuster's up and coming. Curtis Sirinan's a solid player. Moses player. I don't mind Curtis Sirinan. I think he's a good player. Although he's off, he's off he's off contract at the end of this year, so I think I think there'll be a bit of few players in for him. Yeah, but you got Moses Suli, who you know he's developing. He's still really really young. You got Tafua, Tapao, Jake Trebojevic, Tom Travoy, Dylan Walker used to be dynamic for South. Morgan Harper showed a little bit at the back end of the year. That Gazevsky. You know, Ruben Garrick's decent. Cherry Evans. Well, I mean, Daily Cherry Evans is their most important player, right? I mean, from my perspective, I think their breakout player this year will be Josh Schuster. Um, Benji said last year he, he was the best debut he's ever seen by anyone in his time. So that's a big Benji decent, Marshall. Benji Marshall said that. It's a decent Really? Rap, so, yeah. Are, we, yeah, are so. we watching the same game of football? Like, Well, that, that, well that's there's, there's an element of that there. but So I, I don't think a lot of the talking heads on TV... Either they're not saying their real opinions or what they're seeing out there, or they're trying to do it in media talk. I think so, but but I think Re- recency bias. Like we, I know. Who else is their young players though? That's it. I mean, I don't know who else is gonna who else is gonna come through, right? Well, he's the guy, right? Like he has some talent. Gasuski's good player. Lachlan Croker, Morgan. That's what Bo- I mean. They've well, got but, but good not, players. I, they, well, I mean, they do, but I don't think. I just can't. They've got a tough draw. They can't win without Tommy Turbo. Kieran Foran's injured all the time. And, and a bit bit different to Cronulla. I'm just not... I mean, he's. He, I think he's... He, they're almost in a stage where it's chronic injuries. 
So so I, I th- I've actually got them at the bottom half of that group in the middle. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Sea Eagles fans, but I don't think it's going to be a great season, particularly if Tommy Turbo doesn't make it back onto the field. I think I think yeah. you're in a lot of trouble if he doesn't play. Much. Here's the thing. I think they've got this really solid team with a little bit of flash here and there with Suli and Tapao. But I think without Tom Trebojevic at the back, and he just, athletically, we talked about, he's just superior athletically. I think last year I said he's such a finely tuned athlete that I think when anything goes wrong, his body just, you know, he gets injuries because he's, you know, he's he's tall, he's lean, he's incredibly fast, he's Gee, athletic. You can, see, you can see what they've done with the salary cap. Tom, the Turbos, Cherry Evans, Dylan Walker, couldn't pay Aiden Fanua Blake. That is going to be a massive loss. He may have been the form prop of the whole of last season, Aiden Fanua Blake. Yeah, so that is a big loss. Now, Josh Aloa, I think he's good for the Tigers, but he's not going to, you know, you're only getting 80% of Aiden Fanua Blake's output, right? So I, I, I do think there's, and then they've got role players everywhere else. Curtis Siren and people who aren't on a, as much money. So they've top, typical Des, they've top ended, the, they haven't managed the salary cap right, in my opinion. So I think it's hard for that a team like that to finish in the top eight. You could convince me if they all stay injury free. I think their top 13 is probably good enough to get them there. But I just don't think they will stay injury free. We already know Tommy Turbo's going to miss games. Yeah, and that's the thing for me. Like, I look at them, they're, so, they're kind of solid across the park. And that's a Des sort of team with a, a few game breakers littered throughout the team. Cherry Evans, Tom Trebojevic. If they stay healthy, they will make the eight. But to me, again, I don't see it. And I think I'm like you. I've got them finishing 12th, 13th, the back end. So somewhere around there because I just think they can't cover those injuries. Yeah. And I think the stat you showed about Tom Trebojevic, I mean, that's actually incredible. Yeah. So if he's out... They pretty much put it down, chalk it down as a loss. Well, they're winning. They're only, they're only winning twenty five percent of their games, right? That's right. Four and solid. Tua Pelotu was highly rated, but again, he doesn't add speed. He's solid. Saab can be fast, but again, solid target. Aloua is a good signing, but other than Trebojevic and Cherry Evans, they need. They don't have that game break. I mean, Cher- Cherry Evans may be the best half in the comp, right? It's him and Nathan yeah. Cleary, and, yeah. and I think Cherry Evans has been doing it for longer. So they've got they've got one of the best players there. Tommy Turbo is a great player. I like Jake. He's always trying hard, but but I will also say this about Jake, right? I think his ball playing wasn't as good last year. No. So he's got to be careful what player as he's getting older, what player he's turning into, because I think one of the things that makes a difference is. With with Jake is he gives you, he can hit the ball up he's a good tackler he tries hard but he also gives you a bit of ball playing so he gives you a lot of different elements right that not every back rower gives you so I and I and I'm very conscious of this because I saw it with Nathan Hindmarsh I reckon for Je- for Manly to get the best out of Jake they probably don't want to turn him into a tackling machine and closer to the middle I think they want to leave him on the edge and, and let him ball play a little bit and and attack that line so it'll be interesting to see how he plays this year. 